love for you to take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. As David said, we're kind of wrapping up our homecoming week and bookending it with these two weekends here on Labor Day weekend. But they were designed to welcome you back into community and connection. For you to reconnect with God and to reconnect with one another. And with Christ as our cornerstone, there's no other foundation we'll build upon. And today, we really want to help you see your part and the part you play at Friends and the part you play in this family. Last week, if you were here, I said this, God builds into you so you can build into others. If God builds into you as you develop a relationship with him, he builds into you so you then can build into others and the world changes. And together, he uses his church, which is all of us. And so uh, tonight, we're going to talk just a little bit about that. As my kids were growing up uh, in our home, Amadi would ask all the time for somebody to go and run errands with her. And uh, I don't know uh, what that's like in your house, but if I wasn't available, she would go down the list of kids and try and talk them in to going to the store with them. Uh, If you have had teenagers, you know how excited they are to run errands uh, with mom and dad. And do things that aren't previously on their schedule before. They are just really thrilled to do that. And so my wife would kind of bribe, especially the girls. They would always get something when they went away. And I never understood that, but she wanted company, so they got something. But almost every time they come home, and if I wasn't available and they came back from shopping, I'd say, how did it go? And they almost always would say it was fine, but mom had an add-on. And you know what an add-on is? She told them they were going one place, and then they ended up going like four places. So they had the add-on. So there was always an add-on. There was always mom stops that she had to make. It was either, oh, I forgot to go to the cleaners, or oh, I have to go to the bank, or there was just the add-on. Everybody's shaking their head. You know what the add-ons are. But she just wouldn't inform them before she left of the add-ons. As they got older and wiser, they would ask her before they left. Are there any add-ons? Of course, she would always say no. And of course, there always would be one because Madi is the queen of add-ons. Now, I started thinking about the add-ons. I think sometimes in church life, that's kind of how you people probably feel uh, about us pastors. Uh, And I can imagine if I just flip uh, the script and I'm sitting in your place because it might feel like we're always talking about add-ons that we want you to do. Come do this. Come join this. Come serve at this. And that might be true to some point. We might just ask you to add on to what maybe your already busy life is. And sometimes you just feel like, all right, enough's enough. You're just lucky I'm here tonight. But us pastors keep coming after you. But see, we believe um, that maybe we ought to just change our way of thinking. So I want to ask you to maybe do that tonight. Maybe start viewing it just a little bit different. Maybe start understanding that we're not asking you to actually add on something to your life. We actually believe there is purpose in you being a part of the kingdom of God through Friends Church here in this place. And that God has something he wants to do in you. We don't believe it's an add-on because we're not trying to suck the life out of you. (laughs) But we really believe it actually is going to add value to your life. And so tonight... We believe when when God builds into you and you build into others and we become the church he's called us to be, lives are changed and hearts are changed. And tonight you're going to get to see a few of those. And so we want to prepare you for this journey called life that you are on. And one of the things that prepares you for what is in front of you is what you have learned from your life that is already behind you. In other words, how is your past? 
helping you to be better or different in the future. So let me ask you a question. Um, What's God been teaching you in this season over the last 20 months that you actually want to build upon? What have you learned about God and yourself over these last 20 months? Because here's what I know. You're going to one day, it's going to be a story. And you're going to tell this story. One day you're going to tell this story to your kids, maybe when they're older, your grandkids, whatever's next. You're going to tell the story of what went on in 2020 and 2021. You're going to tell the story of you and COVID and the story of this world and the crazy things that went on from racial tensions to the story of the political craziness. You're going to tell the story of one day of what you did and how you kind of acted or reacted to everything that was going on. So let me just ask you, yeah, and some of you are going to scream just like that kid because you're just like, oh my gosh, it's just, seriously, this was crazyville. But one day you're going to tell a story. Or maybe you won't. (laughs) Or maybe you won't because that story might not be one worth retelling. (laughs) But we all are going to have to look back and tell the story of kind of how we responded to everything that went on in this last season. Remember, growth as a follower of Jesus or spiritual growth usually doesn't happen on the mountaintops. It happens in the valleys. It's through adversity that God builds in you and builds through you some of the character things that he's trying to develop in you. Because on the mountaintops, let's just face it, we all like that. It's pretty easy to to trust God when everything's going good. But what is God teaching you? And I just believe there's a story of, of God's faithfulness, but I'm praying there's a story of your faithfulness. In 2005, um, New Orleans was hit with one of the worst hurricanes that had ever hit land, Hurricane Katrina. And just less than two weeks ago, uh, Hurricane Ida ripped through New Orleans again. But this time, they were better prepared. You see, they had learned huge lessons during Katrina, and they weren't going to let history repeat themselves. And those learnings paid off for them this time around. They had some levees that that broke down in Katrina. Those levees didn't break down again, and the investment to fix and secure them paid off and made all the difference in the world. And I'm going to show you some pictures of the same place from 2005 to 2021. In 2005, here's the first picture. This was New Orleans underwater, one of the main streets. Here it was just a few weeks ago right after Ida ripped through. Here's another one. A man standing in front of, of this building in 2005. And here was that same place in 2021. And then here is another of a man boating down the middle of the street in 2005. And here was what happened the day after in 2021. See, they learned something, they were better prepared. <laughs> They did spend billions of dollars, but people were better prepared this time around. Part of walking in the presence of God and in fellowship with believers is that you're actually different. Because let's just face it, whatever is coming your way, there's another something coming for all of us. That's called life. There's another 2020 coming in a different way. And and the issue is, are you going to be better prepared for it? And I'm talking spiritually. Because I think being a part of the body of Christ and being a part of his family is that we want to grow in maturity in our faith because we are to look more and more like Jesus. Not just get older, 
but actually grow mature in our faith as we reflect Him. God created us for community. We're wired for relationships. We're wired for friends, for coworkers, for kids. God intended healthy relationships to be really compassionate and sacrificial and honorable and forgiving. And cultivating these kind of qualities is what God does to build a church. So we have a mission here, and I want you to say it with me loud and proud because it's Saturday night, and I know it's 100 degrees out, but we're going to say it loud. Ready? Building a community. Oh, it's not up there yet. Sorry. Here we go. Building a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world. There are three words I want to choose tonight. The three B words, just as we kind of talk about this. And the first one is becoming. We are becoming. Christ gave the apostles and the leaders to equip his people for works of service, Ephesians 4 tells us. They were a people that were becoming something. So why did he equip them with works of service? Why did he give them gifts? Well, it says here in Ephesians 4, starting in verse 13, he gave them this until, and he was speaking to the church, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith. And in the knowledge of the Son of God. And become mature. Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He says here's what you want to understand. We are building unity in the faith. And we are maturing to reflect the sun more and more each and every day. Why? Because we don't want to be tossed around by everything that comes at us in life. We don't want to go here and there. And we don't want to listen to to people's talking over here and say, well, that sounds good. And I'm going to follow that or I'm going to follow this. No, we are going to be grounded in the presence of God through his word. Because we are a people that are becoming, hopefully, more like him. He says we're going to become this, uh, this spiritual group that is unified. We're unified around the essentials of our faith. And the years that passed, we're going to mature to reflect this one called Jesus Christ. Tonight, we need to understand that the ultimate goal of your spiritual growth is to become like Jesus. See, it's to attain the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. From the very beginning of time, God's plan was for us to be like his son. So let me just ask you a question. Who are you becoming more like as you continue to grow older? Who are you reflecting more and more each and every day? Because Paul comes and he says, listen up church, here's who you're to reflect. You're to reflect the son. You're to mature in your faith. You're to grow in your faith. And Jesus is to be reflected in everything you say and do. One of my favorite commercials that's out right now, it's those progressive commercials. And they pretty much says you are becoming like someone, but it's someone you really don't want to become like. And it's your parents. I don't know if you've seen them, so just take a look at the screens at this one that I think is pretty funny. We're at the movies and we need to silence our phone. Who knows where that button is? I don't have silence. Everyone does, right up here. It happens to all of us. We buy a new home and we turn into our parents. What I do is help new homeowners overcome this. Was that an adjustable spanner? Good choice, Steve. Okay, don't forget, you're not assisting him. You hired him. You have nowhere to sit. (laughs) You have too many. Who else reads books about submarines? My dad. Yeah. Oh, those are... Progressive can't protect you from becoming your parents, but we can protect your home and auto when you bundle with us. Look at that. We can't protect you from becoming your parents, 
I love that. He throws all the pillows off. I can totally relate to that one right there. You are becoming like someone. Romans 8.29 says this, For those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. See, God wants all of His children to develop the character of His Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And He says, I want every single believer to grow in their faith, not just stay where they started. And each and every one of us can grow spiritually. And Scripture tells us that. If you have your Bibles, you want to turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. It's going to be on the screens. But in 1 Timothy, it says this. Starting in verse 7, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promises for both the present life and the life to come. Timothy says, hey, the physical training is great, and you can spend all you want on your body, but you need to understand something. You begin to train yourself in godliness. You begin to reflect the Savior. You begin to be in relationship with Jesus Christ, and it is going to have an effect in this life and the life that is to come. And your character is then shaped in this life by the habits that you develop. So our behavior begins to reveal our maturity way more than our belief. See, people say all the time, well, I'm a Christian. But it is your behavior that reflects more than what you say. Coach Nick Saban, my favorite team, Alabama, he says, your actions are speaking so loud right now, I can't even hear you. Which basically means that your words are meaningless. Your actions are showing me exactly who you are and who you are not. And Timothy comes along, he said, listen up, everybody, you have to train yourself just like you train your physical body, to be godly, to present yourself holy and pure before your Savior. And he comes and he says, this is a part of who we are. James 3.13 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in humility that comes from wisdom. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, at the very beginning, Jesus said this, But their fruit... By their fruit, excuse me, you will recognize them. So maturity isn't just what you say you believe. It's how your life begins to change and how you live. Rick Warren said, if Christianity was a philosophy, then our primary activity might be studying. But Christianity is a relationship and a life. It is a relationship with Jesus Christ and a life that is then lived out. So when we are becoming more like Jesus Christ, and that is our goal to reflect Jesus Christ, there are five things, Rick says, that really, five levels of learning that help us mature into a fruitful believer. First one is this, it's biblical knowledge. Now we need to understand God and what he said. Second is biblical perspective. We need to understand why he said it and why he did what he did. And that perspective then governs our life. The third is this, a biblical conviction. Something that, not, that, you, uh, that you live by. Something that you, that you are just convicted by. Uh, he says it's something that you would 
die for, that you base your whole life upon. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. And that's why I think Paul said, hey, quit listening to all the other stuff that's going around in the world and start listening to Jesus. There's biblical knowledge, biblical perspective, biblical conviction. And then there are skills that you have. It says, hey, just don't be a hearer of the word, but you have to actually put into practice and be a doer. And then the fifth is character. God wants all of his children to develop the character of his son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul said it this way in Colossians 1, verse 28. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everything with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So the goal of you as a believer is to reflect Jesus Christ and to glorify Him in everything that you do. And we become this community of authentic Christ followers when we are in fellowship with each other. And then together, God builds into us so we get to build into others. And then the world begins to not just know of this one Jesus, they actually get to see Jesus in and through us. When Christians started this movement, they were called the Way. And back in 137 AD, there was a guy by the name of Aristides who was investigating this uh, group of people called the Way. And it says it wasn't what they believed. It was how they behaved that set them apart. And here's what Aristides reported back to the Caesar after investigating the church. He said this, It is the Christians, O emperor, who have sought and found the truth. For they acknowledge God. They do not keep for themselves the goods entrusted to them. They do not covet what belongs to others. They show love to their neighbors. They do not do to another what they would not wish to have done to themselves. They speak gently to those who oppress them, and in this way they make them their friends. It has become their passion to do good to their enemies. They live in the awareness of their smallness. I love that line. They live in the awareness of their smallness. Every one of them who has anything gives ungrudgingly to the one who has nothing. If they see a traveling stranger, they bring him under their roof. They rejoice over him as over a real brother, for they do not call one another brothers after the flesh, but they know they are brothers in the Spirit and in God. If they hear that one of them is in prison or oppressed for the sake of Christ, they take care of all of his needs. If possible, they set him free. If anyone among them is poor or comes into want while them themselves have nothing to spare, they fast two or three days for him. In this way, they can supply any poor man with the food he needs. This, O emperor, is the rule of life of the Christians. And this is their manner of life. It wasn't what they said they believed in. It was that they actually lived differently. Becoming a community of authentic Christ followers compelled to change our world means you are part of a community that is compelled to be different because Jesus has done something different in and through you. And here, we want to be people that become more like Him and reflect Him in everything that we say and everything that we do. And so we are going to be pushing you towards that. So we're becoming, the second thing is, we are belonging Nicky Gumbel, a pastor in London, says this, The church is not an organization you join. It is a family where you belong. It is a home where you are loved. 
Is it a hospital where you find healing? See, the church isn't just an organization. It's a family. And it's where you belong. When Christ left, he said, there's two things that I want you to do. And I want you to do them over and over again. I want you to take communion together. Because it's one thing that identifies you as a follower of Jesus Christ when you say, Jesus, I I believe in you. He said, I want you to take communion to remember me. I want you to remember the blood I shed in my body that was broken. Do this and remember to me, but do it together as the body of Christ. The other is, I want you to, to really celebrate baptisms. I want you to celebrate new life in Jesus Christ. And so as his family, part of belonging is that we do something together to remind ourselves of our smallness and his greatness. We do something that reminds ourselves that we are blessed because this one Jesus Christ went to a cross and he died for every single one of us. And so tonight, here's what I'm going to ask us to do. I'm going to ask us to stand, if you would do that right now. I'm going to ask you to take your communion cup with you. And we're going to just sing together. But in a minute, in the middle of this song, I'm going to come back and we're going to take communion. And we're going to do so as the body of Christ. Because Jesus says, when you belong to this family, you do this in remembrance of me. And tonight, this is an act of worship. This is an act of worship that we are blessed and we remember his blessing. This is an act of worship that we get to freely partake of communion together. So as we worship and sing, I'd love for you just to prepare your minds and hearts and I'll come back up and we will take communion together. The night when Jesus gathered with his disciples, he took the bread and he said, hey, uh, gentlemen, this is a representation of my body that is going to be broken for you. He said, every time you, you eat of this, he said, just do this in remembrance of me. So we do that together. He took the the wine and although I imagine sitting around that table again, they just couldn't fathom or understand exactly what he was saying. But he said, my blood is going to be shed for the remissions of sins. Your past, your present, your future, all of them. It's going to be washed away. He said, and every time you drink of this cup, he said, do it in remembrance of me. So, Father, as your church, we partake of these elements because we belong to the family of God. We take of these elements and we, we do so to remind ourselves again of your sacrifice for every single one of us. That for those of us who have Jesus Christ as our Savior, What a gift to every single one of us that we not only have life here, but we have eternal life that is given. So Jesus, tonight we just say thank you for your death, for your burial, for your ultimate resurrection that has given us all new life. We honor you, we remember you, and we just say thank you. God, tonight is as we're not just here for ourselves, but as the family of God, we're here for the next generation and the next generation. Our prayer in this church is that we would become more and more like you and that would be reflected to the next generation. And God, we pray that right now your favor would be upon Friends Church, not because of anything that we do, but because of who you are.
And that, God, we would continue to pass on your favor and tell of your stories from generation to generation that your goodness and your grace and your power would be known not just in our day, but in the days that are to come. So, God, thank you that we belong to a family that for over 2,000 years you have been creating and recreating, giving new life to. And tonight, we celebrate that and we just say thank you for who you are. And thank you, Jesus, for your death for every single one of us. It's in that powerful name. We pray and we continue to worship you. Amen. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says this, um, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other part grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And I love that that is happening at Friends. I love that God's using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. I love that he uses people just like you. And I love um, people that walk into this place and become a part of this family. I think of you, Candace, and Armando, who your son's going to be baptized. Um, I had a bunch of stories just given to me of people that have started connecting. But, uh, you know, you haven't been here too long but I've seen them all around the church and they're serving and they're connecting and they started rooted. And, uh, you know, all that being said, they're still in a group. They just continue to grow in their faith and God's using that. Um, you and your husband serve on guest services on Saturday nights, is that right? Not mean to single you out, but your information's all right here. And then you're just sitting there, but you just look at it and, and, uh, your husband and, and John's going to baptize your son, Josiah, uh, and I just started thinking about people that become a part of this family, and they just kind of dive in, and they get connected, and now they belong. And there are many people that belong before they believe. There's people coming to this place and just are trying to figure life out, and they figure out that there's people here that actually love them, and they belong before they ever believe in Jesus Christ. But when you belong to a family, 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10 says this, you're a chosen people, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. And at this place, we want to become more like Jesus Christ, but we don't want you just to come and sit. We want you to actually belong to the family of God. So I just want to ask you to take a next step. I want to ask you, whatever step, wherever you are tonight, I want you to take a next step. If you're just coming and sitting on a weekend, that you would take a next step. Take a next step that you might serve somewhere. I want to ask you to take a next step that you might join a group. Uh, we're getting ready to start a bunch of new groups, life groups on September 18th and 19th in that weekend. And we have a whole series set up for us to figure out what it means to become, to belong, and to believe. And we're going to be teaching on the weekends and then all of our groups, all of our men's groups, our women's groups, our infinity groups, our couples groups, we're going to be going through the same thing because we want to be in line, unified, going forth with what we believe God's called us to do. So we're calling it Life in Rhythm. 
I said last week, we got to get back into some good habits because we've had enough bad habits. we got to get back into some good ones. And so we're going to kind of get back into rhythm. But we start up new life groups September 18th and 19th, which is just two weeks away. And tonight, they're going to be out there, and they're going to sign you up. If you want to get signed up, you can go to the QR code on the, the seat in front of you. But just take a next step. If you're not in a group, I just want to promise you, that's where you begin to belong and become a part of God's family. So we want to invite you to that. And it starts just in a couple weeks, so if you would do that tonight. Last night I said this about a biblical community. Here it is. It's a common group of people living in an uncommon way as they selflessly sacrifice for their Savior. So we're becoming more like Jesus. We belong to his family. We just don't come and sit in a service, but we belong and we're a part of. And then the third B is believing. Uh, We have a goal here of 8,001 people by 2030 believing and following Jesus Christ. I mean, if you've been around here, I've just told you, that just means it's pretty simple. If every person here would just win one person to Christ, that would happen. So it's 2021 by 2030. That's nine years. Um, you got nine years for one person. Who's your one? Because somebody led you to faith. If you're a follower of Jesus, someone told you about Jesus. So who's the one for you? Romans 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you're going to be saved. For it is with your heart that you believed and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And as Scripture tells us, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. So we believe here that God is so interested in lost people. We believe that he is so interested in people who are far from the Heavenly Father. And you don't get to hear and see some of the stories of life change that happens around here. So I just want to tell you a couple, and I'm just going to interview a guy whose life was completely changed by Jesus Christ. But during uh, COVID, somebody started attending our church because they needed a place to put their kids. Any of you have young kids understand and know that? (laughs) Just needed a place to put their kids. They weren't even a follower of Jesus. So they just started coming and bringing their kids, and they'd sit in the coffee shop. And then they moseyed on in. And then one day, um, the mom accepted Jesus as her Savior and then started to go to Alpha. And it wasn't just about her kids coming and attending and her getting a little peace for an hour. I used to tell people that had young kids, man, we we loved weekends because our kids were here every service. So we just put them in the nursery all day on Sunday, Saturday night. It was great. But I was on staff, so that was awesome for me. But man, we understood what it was like getting a break. But she didn't have any understanding that God was going to turn her life upside down and she was going to find Jesus as her Savior. There's another guy by the name of Brian who grew up in a Buddhist family. For 37 years, it says um, that he turned away from Christianity because it felt weird and it didn't make sense. But one day he was training for a a triathlon and um, he was training with somebody from this church. And she actually invited him to Easter. And a few years back, I preached uh, a sermon that said, the tomb is empty so you don't have to be. And then I talked about Alpha and taking the next step uh, in in Alpha, and I'll tell you what that is in a minute. And so Brian took that next step because it sparked his curiosity about Jesus. And he went to Alpha and he discovered why Jesus died for him. And he found Jesus Christ and, and let Christ be his Savior. And after that, he got baptized and started to share his faith. Then in the next season, he serves as an Alpha helper, and he wanted to begin helping other people understand this Christianity thing. Then he started Rooted last January and he co-leads a Rooted group that continues on as a life group today. But Brian's life was changed. 
And then there's this young kid by the name of John Harrison, uh, who is on our staff now. And three years ago, um, God did something great in his life. And so I would love for you to welcome John Harrison as he comes just to share a little bit of his story. Would you welcome John up? So John, I told him that you accepted Christ three years ago, but your life wasn't always like that. But you have a unique upbringing because um, your dad was a pastor. (laughs) So I want you to just tell us a little bit about your upbringing and and kind of not being close to God or even wanting to be close to God. And then just kind of tell us your journey. Sure, sure. Um, Yeah, yeah. Growing up as a pastor's kid, I remember always having to go to church. I hated this place. (laughs) Um, I thought church was the worst. It was the place (laughs) I was forced to go to. But, you know, dad preached on Sundays, so I kind of felt like uh, it was game time. So yeah. I'll go watch dad preach, and I'll be fine. And um, I was like, I know, isn't that great? And, <coughs> My uh, kids never thought that, yeah, I'm sure. Think, no. I was no. trying to be supportive. I was trying to find a way. <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, when I'm 14, I was, I was done. You know, yeah. I was pretty much done going to church. And um, I just started partying a lot, and I became kind of a, I smoked a lot of weed in high school. And yeah. I kept doing more of the same. Yeah. And I went to college. Uh, I picked UCSB because it was a party school and yeah. um, kept doing that. And um, yeah, just chased after those things in Santa Barbara. And, yeah. and I was there. I, I wanna, it was actually my graduation day. Um, just all the drugs and all the drinking and all this stuff had caught up with me. And I just kind of had a, what I think is a mental breakdown. I, I, yeah. I went home that day, and um, it was like 7 p.m., and I was like, I'm going to bed, and there was a party at my house, and I was like, I don't care, I'm going to bed, and I, I got done with that, and the next day, I packed up my car, I left, and I went here to Costa Mesa, and um, I had a girlfriend of four years at the time, and um, a couple weeks after all this, she broke up with me, and we were living together, and all this stuff, and that just broke my heart, and I, I remember just being lost and yeah. feeling like I'm broken and I'm broken beyond fixing. Yeah. And I, I desperately wanted to change, but I had no idea how to do that. Yeah. And I went to lunch with my sister. And Is your sister older than you or younger? My sister's older than she's me. Older than you, yeah. about, actually, she's a lot older than me. She's yeah. about 11 years older than yeah. me. And okay. she was a pastor okay. at the time. Yeah. And... Um, she, uh, we go to lunch together and I just start crying and she's like, this is weird because yeah. I was not a crier. Yeah. And, um, she's just like crying with me and we're like, it's so sad. You know, when someone's suffering, you don't know what to say. Right. So, um, and she looks at me at the end of it and she says seven words to change my life. She said, will, will you go to church with me? You know, <laughs> and I've probably been asked this 500 times. Right. right? Yeah. And, um, but I was so open at this point. I said, why not? Yeah, sure. I'll go. And um, I go to church, and uh, I, I, meet a, I meet a guy there, and um, he's like, hey, you want to you wanna be in my alpha group? And you can come to our, you could be on table one, you know, come on Tuesday. And I'm like, I'll try anything. Sure, why not? You know, I don't believe in this whole God thing, but, you know, yeah. at least there's nice people here. So your parents, pastors, you don't yeah. even really believe in God. Yeah. And so now you find yourself in a church and you're getting ready to go to Alpha. Yeah, I'm yeah. getting ready to go to Alpha. Okay. And the whole thing's kind of vague with Alpha. Yeah. They're like, there's, you know, there's dinner and then there's a talk and then we just like sit around and, and have a discussion. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, sounds yeah. kind of weird, yeah. but I'll go. I'll you try. go. <laughs> and um, so I, I go to Alpha and... Um, 
it's great. You go there, and it's like, oh, we just want you to be yourself here. And I'm like, that's not what we do in church, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're, we don't be ourselves at church. We right. fake it, you know? Yeah. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to test this theory. Yeah. And so um, I just start going everything, every doubt, every question, every issue I have, I just start throwing it out in the alpha group. Yeah. And the, the, the Christian people there, right, they're always like, thanks so much for sharing that. Really yeah. appreciate you sharing that, man. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, what's, what? Yeah. You know what I mean? This is where you're supposed to like hit me over the head with the Bible, you know, what I'm used to. <laughs> yeah. It says here in Romans. Yeah. And uh, no, they didn't do that. They just loved me and listened to me and listened to my problems. And not, what do you do when someone does that for you? You come yeah. back. Yeah. Right? And so every week I came back. Yeah. And we go to this weekend away and I, I meet this, this guy, Aaron Opog. Some of us <laughs> might know him. And Aaron's like, hey, man. Hey, what's going on? Uh, you want to get lunch like after this? And, it's exactly and, how he talks. Yeah, right? Very like, it's so right, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, yeah, weird guy. You know, Aaron. I, you know, he's kind of goofy. I was like, I'd love to get lunch with you. And uh, we go and get lunch. He brings his Bible. I'm like, oh, this is like a cult thing. I don't yeah. you know. <laughs> Here we go. And uh, he's got his Bible. But we read, we read the Bible together. And, and I, I wasn't changed or saved it or anything. But I was like, okay, this isn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and... Um, Aaron keeps asking me, you know, probably twice a month, hey, let's go hang out, get lunch, read the Bible together. I'm still not a Christian at this point, but I'm going to Alpha. And, and uh, we go to uh, this thing called The Weekend Away. And it's in Forest Home. And we go to this weekend away, and they do this thing where they call giving the Holy Spirit the microphone. And they just stand up front, and they go, okay, we're not going to talk anymore. We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come, and then we're just going to leave it alone. Yeah. And we're all just going to sit there and pray. And I'm yeah. like... This is ridiculous, right? <laughs> yeah. And um, so they're like, okay, but we're all just, we just ask that you're open to it. I'm like, fine, I'll, okay, I'll pray to this like weird thing. Yeah. And I'm like, so we sit there, we pray, you know, we're like, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. And um, the Holy Spirit came, yeah. right? And I, but I'm like, this is weird. But I got this overwhelming sense of peace. And it was like, you're, and I just heard you're not broken beyond fixing. And I was I was like, wow, I, I couldn't believe it, you know? And I walk up to Aaron, and I was like, Aaron, I think I just, I have this overwhelming sense of peace, and I just know this is where I belong. And Aaron starts crying, right? And I'm like, why is he crying, you know? <laughs> and because Aaron knew I just became a Christian. Yeah. I did it, right? right. And, and I was still confused about all this. Aaron's like, ooh, crying. And, and um, he looks at me, and he says, John, you remind me of this guy in the Bible, his name's Barnabas. And Barnabas is a great encourager. And you remind me of him. You encourage everybody. I feel so encouraged by you. And I was like, Aaron, I, you don't know me. Yeah. You've never met me. Like, no one would ever describe me as that. Yeah. And I realized at, that God was working in me, yeah. in Alpha, in that community, and he it was changing me. Yeah. And I, was, I went from someone who was negative and um, kind of narcissistic to someone who was encouraging and cared about others, and I didn't even know it was happening. Yeah. Um, and that was just an amazing experience. So that was kind of the whole deal with Alpha. So God changed you through Alpha, yeah. and he met Aaron, and then you got baptized. Is yeah. that right? Yeah. Do we have uh, that picture, Steve? So, yeah, this is good. So uh, hmm. I think like two weeks after that happened, um, Aaron, I'm, you know, everybody's getting baptized, and I had not signed up to get baptized, because at this point, I still don't think I realized I was a Christian from the weekend away. Yeah. And Aaron texts me, and he says, 
hey man, are you ready? Because I'm there at Sunday service, and I'm like, oh, I think I am. Yeah. And um, so I was fully clothed in that photo, and, and uh, so I was like, yep, I'm ready. I like have my shoes on and everything. And I jump in, and I get baptized. And, yeah. Um, and now yeah. you're on our staff. Yeah. And God has you um, actually being a pastor, and you're in our missions department, yeah. kind of outreach and helping us kind of go outside of these walls. But growing up, a pastor's kid, um, not wanting anything to do with God, um, going to Alpha, uh, just really quickly, God changed your life. Is there anything you would say to anybody here that's kind of searching right now? Um, what would you ask them to do? I would, I would ask them to go to Alpha, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which starts on 21st, shameless yeah. plug. Yeah. I, I'm, uh, I oversee Alpha now, which is so cool to think about. <laughs> and, um, but I, I would say go to Alpha, I would say be open. Yeah. You know, you don't, don't have to fake it and... Um, you just work through your doubts and, and I just encourage you to be open, be truthful, be authentic. And you're never too broken for God to you're come in and change broken. you. Yeah. yeah. Would you thank John for his story and who he is? Thanks, buddy. John seven thirty eight says, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow within them. One of the things I love about uh, being around people who just come to know Jesus, there's just kind of rivers that kind of flow through them. If you couldn't see on John's face, if you couldn't see on John's face now that God changed his life. So for your next step here at Friends, first thing I ask is, would you belong to the family and take a next step? Would you get in a group? Would you connect? And then the next one is this. If you're here tonight and, and you're John and you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to give you a chance to receive Christ. Second thing is, if you are a follower of Jesus, who's your John? Who's the guy or the gal that's in your life that you think there's not a chance? <laughs> and maybe they're the partier and, and maybe they're so far gone. You never would ever believe that they would come to faith in Jesus. Who's your John that you're praying for? And if you haven't started praying for John, you need to start praying for him. Not him, but the person that you have. You can pray for him too. He probably would love that. But who's your John? Because see, God begins to build in you so you could build into others. And 8,001 people coming to know Jesus. Can you imagine just if there's a bunch of Johns running around here? I love his story. Because it's just a story of real change. So tonight, um, I was sitting, as we close, I was sitting waiting on some food last Saturday night. And I was going to take it to a guy in our church who uh, had COVID. And he was healing and doing fine, but I was going to take him some food. And um, I got a text from a, a guy that uh, walked the lake bed, used to walk the lake bed uh, around my house. And if you've been here a while, he called me and cussed me out because I cut down some trees and then I just invited him to church, and he came for a little while. Um, it was one of the weirdest things ever, but he started coming to church. And then I saw him at this restaurant. And he texted me the next day, and he just says, Hey, uh, one of our mutual friends is a little older. Um, and this is not a plug, so don't hear me this. He said, um, He's in the hospital. And uh, he was older, and he didn't get the vaccination. And then he just wrote me, and he goes, How stupid do you have to be? 
And he goes, now he's probably going to pass away. He goes, so you need to pray for him. And I said, well, I'll pray for him. And then I said, hey, Tom, just want to let you know, um, all of us face the end one day. And he's not a believer. So I say, how stupid do you have to be? (laughs) And then I just put a smiley face. And I said, there's always a seat for you at Friends. And we have that kind of relationship where I can say that. Some of you might get offended. He doesn't get offended at anything. So it's like, I can say whatever. But I just started praying for Tom differently this last week. This life comes to an end. We all know it, right? The only thing that's going to matter is your relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's it. And John's going to be in heaven because somebody just stepped out, his sister in its brokenness, and said, hey, would you just come to church with me? You got a John in your life, every single one of you. And I'm just going to ask you to begin to pray for that. And tonight, the way we're going to end is we're just going to celebrate. God builds into you so you can build into others. And we're going to celebrate God building into others. And tonight is just a representation of what God's done in the lives of these people they are going to be baptized. And so if you would stand to your feet um, as we close, here's how I want us to close. Um, two things. I want you to get connected to this place because this is the body of Christ. So if you're not in a group, get in a group and you can sign up out there or you can get on there. And then I want you to begin to praying because I believe some of you are going to have somebody that's going to be baptized. Maybe it's next Easter. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's in five years. But your John's going to go into the pool. And they're going to say... And this is what baptism is, that I have decided to give my life to Jesus Christ. And when they go under the water, what they're saying is that my old life is gone. It is buried. It is gone away. I am rising up out of the water as a new person in Jesus Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. And it's nothing about the water, but it represents what happens to someone's soul when they give their lives to Jesus. So tonight, you know what we do? Because it says there's a party in heaven when someone gives their life to Jesus. So we celebrate. So I need you to cheer for the first person and the seventh person the same. It needs to be loud and it needs to be real. And we're going to celebrate, all right? Okay, see, that's good. We're going to celebrate. So, Father, thank you tonight for your goodness and your grace. Thank you that we're going to end this service um, by celebrating you and giving thanks to you. Thank you for life change. Thanks that we get to become more like you in this place. Thank you that we can belong to your family. And thank you tonight for those of us who believe in the name of Jesus Christ. If there is anyone in this place, as John just simply said, he just believed. And the Holy Spirit, you came and you changed him. So God, tonight I pray there's just somebody standing out there that goes, I believe. God, I believe in your son. And it says when you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, it says that you will be changed. So God, we by faith believe that tonight. And we say thank you. Thank you for these that are demonstrating their life change by baptism. And we celebrate your goodness and your grace. And we pray over them and for them. And God, we celebrate with you what you celebrate tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.